From sea to shining sea, America's favorite uncle, Bumpkin Bob. Hey y'all, it's the Bumpkin Bob coming to you with the Bumpkin Bob Show from right here in Silo Springs, Arkansas. I hope everybody's having a great day today. Hey, we really don't have any announcements to do today, but so we're going to get right on into the show. I uh, wanted to start just a little bit talking politics, and today's show is going to be a little touchy because I've always heard the two things you shouldn't talk about with family and friends is politics and religion, and we're going to touch on both of them, and in that mix, we're going to have some job site tales. Speaking of job site tales, y'all make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Bunk and Bob Show. Go over there to the Facebook page, like that page, and on that page, join the Bumpkin Army, and that's where you post your job site tales. We want to hear your job site tales. Something funny's happened on your job, and, and we've said this a lot, and I just want to make sure everybody understands. My job site tales, most of them are going to be construction related or industrial related because I did work in a transformer shop for 13 years before I started doing, got into the commercial electric trade. But uh, I don't care if you, if you're, and, and I'm not knocking any jobs. Anybody that goes to work and does eight hours, I, you're my people's. But, and I don't care if you work for the city, work for, you know, a grocery store, uh, as a checkout person, a cashier, uh, whether you're an administrative assistant or a flight attendant, I, I don't care. If you work for a living, you're my kind of people. And we want to hear your tales. I mean, if something funny's happened on your job, let us know it. We want to get that red on the air. Uh, but anyway, what I was going to start out, we'll start out with a little politics this morning. And, uh, you know, Trump supposedly has made a deal for DACA with a couple of the, the majority leaders in the House and Senate on the Democratic side. It's got some of the Republicans up in arms. But here's the deal, people. Uh, and we've said it a million times. I've heard a lot of people say it. You know, Trump got elected. Uh, the Republicans won the Senate and the House, and they can't get nothing done. So he's got to go across the aisle to make anything happen. You know, if, if our Republican leadership would get their head out of their ass, and and start leading and start doing what their campaign promises said they were going to do, he wouldn't have to do things like that. So instead of pissing and moaning and getting on TV and whining that Trump's not dealing with you and he's he's going around you, you know, jump in there and start working with them. Uh, again, I, I said it on a few shows ago about – if, uh, you know, we socked, it would sock the bully in the nose, so to speak, you guys ran on that platform that you were going to get in there and get her done. And if you're not, we're going to vote you out in the next election sequence. So do what we sent you up there to do. Whether you want to believe it or not, 
I, I know the special interest groups and the lobbyists are padding your pocket, but you don't work for them. You work for us. We voted you in, and our tax dollars are the ones paying your salary. You work for us. And to me, when you promise something and we send you up there to do it, and you don't do it, that's insubordination. That's a grounds for termination if you work in the corporate world. So pull your head out of your ass, pull your hand out of some lobbyist's pocket, and do your job. Do what we sent you up there to do. So another thing that's going on right now, and Jesus Christ, we got to do something about this, is the little Korean fella shot another missile over Japan this week. And it's like, y'all have got to figure out a way to get him in check. Uh, I know coming up this week, the UN's having a meeting. It's going to be Trump's first time in front of the UN. But uh, the UN, tr the United States, and, and more specifically China, because I think China is the only one that can control that little feller, they got to get him in check and, and shut him down. He's going to end up driving the world into World War III just because he wants to kill some people. I mean, I, I honestly believe since the day he took over power in Korea, the only thing he's wanted to do is kill some people. And that being said, he's killed people already. Hell, he's had some of the members of his own family put down. But he wants to kill some people on a mass, I don't even know what the word is I'm trying to think of. He wants to kill a whole bunch of people at once. That's what he wants to do. And he's going to keep on till he does it. Uh, poor little old Guam sitting out there, probably shitting in their britches, thinking they're going to be the target. And they probably are. Uh, anyway, we've got to do something about him. Uh, you know, again, I, I know conservatives all over this country are all up in arms that Trump's trying to deal with the Democrats, but he couldn't deal with y'all. You know, you, you campaign that this is what you were going to do, and then you got up there and you started uh, crawfishing and, and, and backtracking, and, and you left him no alternative. So to the Republicans that we elected, and more specifically, the Republicans from Arkansas, roll up your damn sleeves and get in there and get to work and quit pissing and moaning. You know, we don't pay you hundreds of thousands of dollars a year or whatever it is we're paying you people, you know, and giving you some great health care benefits and a great retirement package, which nobody else has. You understand that. We're not giving you that to be up there whining. We want you to roll up your damn sleeves and go to work. Uh, that being said, we're going to move on and try to lighten things up a little bit today. Uh, I've been thinking a little bit this week, and I, there's been two stories that have been heavy on my mind, and I hope they make you chuckle. They give me a little chuckle when I think about them. Uh, other people may not find them funny, but we're going to tell them. And uh, we're going to tell off on some construction workers, so to speak, on, on their mentality. Uh, there's basically three kinds of construction workers when it comes to lunch. 
from what I've seen. Uh, you've got the guy that brings his lunch every day, rain, snow, sleet, or shine, and usually that's because the little lady's fixing it and he can't bring home the lunch he carried to work, so to speak, or, you know, or they're trying to save money or got kids and, you know, he doesn't want to spend the money to go out. The second type you've got is the guy that brings his lunch Monday through Thursday and then Friday is, oh boy, day, and let's go out and eat and go somewhere for lunch. And then you've got the third type of construction worker, which pretty much goes out and eats every day at lunch. Usually those are the single guys that have no life. Anyway, don't be pointing no fingers. Uh, the first, first little story I'm going to tell you is it involves a buffet and, and something that happened at a buffet. And it, it's, it's one of those deals. I'm going to give you all a little piece of uncle advice. And, and I'm going to give restaurants a little piece of advice too here, just so you know. The, the, and you see it most commonly in buffet type places, but you places that have buffets that have the chocolate fountains, you really need to get rid of the chocolate fountain. And I'm going to get to wine just a second. But, you know, that also goes for the people, like if you're having a wedding or a bar mitzvah or some kind of party or a a wedding shower or a baby shower and you're setting up all the food and you think, oh, we should have a chocolate fountain. Don't do it. Uh, I'm, I'm just telling you, don't do it. Buffets probably aren't the most, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Not hygienic, maybe places, but the chocolate fountains are the worst. And, and what ended up happening and I, I don't remember who all was there. I know that uh, three guys I work with was with me, and that's Randy, Dustin, and Justin. And there was other people at our table, and I don't remember who all it was. I don't it may have been some of the plumbers or something at the particular job we were working on. But on on this particular day, we decided to go on a Friday lunch, and I know because who some of the people were that was there, it had to have been a Friday because they were kind of the bring their lunch through the Monday through Thursday and then go out to eat on Friday. So I'm sure it was a Friday, but we're at a pretty popular buffet in, in here locally. There's one in Fayetteville and there's one in Rogers and I won't go into names because I don't want nobody to get me get sued over it. But uh, we're sitting there eating, and finally somebody said, "Hey, hey, hey! Look at that over there! Look at the chocolate fountain!" Well, over by the chocolate fountain, there was it was either three or four little old boys, little snot nosed curtain climbing rugrats, and. Uh, and and don't get me wrong, at one time I was a six, eight-year-old snot-nosed little curtain-climbing rug rat myself. We've all been there. Everybody knows boys will be boys. It's just how they're raised or it's in their DNA, whatever. But uh, these three or four little boys were standing over at the chocolate fountain, 
and they were doing the, you know, looking around to see if mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, whoever was there with them, was watching, and then they'd do the stick the finger in the chocolate fountain and lick it off. Well, God only knows where that finger's been at. It's probably been knuckled deep up in their nose because they're all little booger pickers, and you know they are. So uh, we were all just sitting there rolling because it was funnier than shit. And, then the, and there was one of them that at least he was trying. God love his little soul. He took one of the strawberries on a stick, and he'd stick the strawberry under the chocolate fountain, and he'd lick it off, and then he'd stick the same strawberry back underneath the chocolate fountain. And then the big joke at the table was is, you know, you gonna go to the chocolate fountain? It's like, no, I don't think I will. I think I'm gonna just pass on the chocolate fountain. So that being said, and, and you've been warned, people, you have been warned. When you go to a buffet, don't don't use the chocolate fountain because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, at some point, some little kid stuck his finger in that. And I, and I would be willing to bet they don't change the chocolate out every day. They probably just add to it. It's kind of like burning your motor oil and about every month adding a quart of oil and never changing your oil because you figure, you know, at some point it's all new anyway. So I'm sure the chocolate fountains are probably the same way. So don't eat off the chocolate fountain. Now the other story... And, and I'm going to have to be real careful how I tell this. We don't want to offend anybody, but actually I do because I don't give a shit if you get offended. If you get offended, turn it off. I'm sure my producer slash son's not going to like me saying that, but, you know, the top show we're doing, we're going to offend somebody every now and then, and that's all right. But uh, we were working in South Fayetteville, and uh, – at, actually, we were doing the Benton County Animal Shelter. And this also happened to be a Friday. And and it was very, I don't know how to explain this to somebody that don't work construction. It's very slow there at the job site that Friday. We were actually caught up. You know, we, uh, we were waiting on masons or something i forget exactly what the deal was but it was slow enough that we probably weren't even going to get a full day's work and i don't think we did i think we ended up actually calling it a day about one o'clock because there literally just was nothing to do on the job site we were at that point in a job you know sometimes you hit a point like uh after the slab's been poured until the steel's up if you've got all your services ran Sometimes there's literally nothing you can do until they start putting up block walls or metal stud walls. You're kind of dead in the water for electricians. And, uh, but anyway, whatever the reason was, we were dead in the water that day and really didn't have a lot to do. And uh, the only other person at the job site, electrical-wise, was a guy that worked with us. His name was Justin. So it was just me and Justin there. Both of us knew it wasn't going to be a full day. You know, if we could drag it out to 12, 1 o'clock, we were going to be lucky. So, uh, I don't know, it was about 8 o'clock. Justin came up to me and goes, you know, he said, slow as it is, we ought to go have breakfast this morning instead of having lunch. And I'm like, you know, that sounds pretty good because I, I don't ever eat breakfast. So, uh, 
I said, that sounds pretty good. Why don't we do that? We'll just, we're, nobody can cover us up. There's really nothing going on. And we're kind of doing some busy work anyway that really doesn't amount to a hill of beans. So let's jump in the truck and we'll go eat. So we jumped in the truck and ran up to Weddington, which people that live in Fayetteville, when you get off the Weddington exit, they probably know where we ate. Uh, you've heard that that saying, girls with big boobs work at Hooters, so girls with one legs work at, that's where we were at. So uh, I said it without actually saying the name, didn't I? And I told a joke, because old Bob, Bunker Bob's got a sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we were in there eating, and, and I don't know if you've ever been to these type of places, or if you know what I'm talking about, but on one wall, they have a, like a a booth type bench that goes down the whole wall. And then it's they've got tables set up like for four people and there's a gap in them about the width of a chair. And then on the what would be the back side of the table or the front side of the table, I guess, depending on how you look at it, they've got just two regular chairs set up. So uh when we walk in, there was two ladies and their kids sitting on this booth table. They had one table taken up. And, uh, and again, I'm going to have to be very careful how I say this, but uh, because of their their nature, <laughs> our natural nature, their naturalism, they would probably be what people would classify as hippies. And God love hippies. They're all about peace and love and chicken grease. I mean, you got to love them. They, you know, smoke a little weed and do their own thing. And they, for the most part, don't bother anybody. Uh, I, I actually, to tell you the truth, I've got a couple of hippie friends. I mean, they... They pretty much keep to their self, and they have their own lifestyle. And I mean, and and then again, what do you classify as a hippie? I mean, most of these people, uh, they either do or want to live off the grid, and they grow their own food and grow their own wacky tobacco or whatever you want to call it, their own smoke, so to speak. And I see no problem with that. I mean, I... I see no problem with it whatsoever. But anyway, these two ladies, you know, were of that that type of group. And uh, we walked in, and they set us down. And where they set us, they set us at a, like a four-top table. And I sat here, and Justin sat kind of catty-cornered on the other side from me. And so I had a clear view of the opening between two tables. And like I said, this opening so that they can get in and get to the booth part in the back is about the width of a chair. And this this young lady happened to be sitting on the, the be my left, but facing me in the booth. And so we're sitting there, me and Justin, just bullshitting about the day, drinking this cup of coffee, and waiting on our eggs and bacon to hit the table. And, you know, there's 
there's quite a few people here in the old restaurant. And, you know, it's there's like a low buzz, you know, everybody talking and no big deal, just a low hum. And we're bullshitting and our breakfast comes. And we start eating our breakfast, you know, and as you're eating, you know, you kind of glance up at person you're with while you're talking because you're still talking and conversing while you're sitting here at the table and the the young lady <laughs> in question had slid out from behind her table and was in the 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 gap between the two tables and apparently her uh i'm not exactly sure how to say this we'll, we'll call it her hoo-ha no feedback from that. Okay. Her, apparently her hoo-ha itched. So she was she was doing her little scratching. But she'd slid out from behind the table where God and everybody could see her. And I was just like, oh, Lord. And I was trying not to look, but you know how it is with a train wreck even. I mean, you try not to look, but you know you're going to. And you just can't help it. You know, us us human beings are just a little weird. I mean, it's like unscrewing the the lid to a quart jar of rotten pickled eggs and tell your buddy, oh, my God, smell this. Well, what's he going to do? He's going to smell it. I mean, that's just how we are. Or, you know, or, I mean, human beings, I mean, you can't explain them. I, I don't think women do that, or do they? I mean, I, I don't think if I uncorked a, a quart of rotten pickled eggs and, uh, and said, uh, you know, took me a big whiff, Woo, I think they were bad. Here you smell them. I, I don't think a female would smell them. Now, a guy will jump over a table to smell it. It's just how we are. Uh, I guess the worse it smells, the better. But anyway, the I guess because of her 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 hoo-ha itching because <laughs> the more she scratched it the more it itched and the next thing i knew she had on like i don't know if it was a tank top or if it was like a one-piece bathing suit and then she had on like a skirt that went all the way to the floor and then flip-flops uh, anyway that's kind of how she was dressed and the next thing I know, she, she had her skirt pulled completely up under her arms where you could see everything, basically. And and she was scratching with both hands because apparently, I'm not sure if I've said this before or not, but apparently her hoo-ha itched. Well, I kind of did one of these numbers and just kind of looked down and was trying to just look at my plate. And my buddy started in. What's wrong with you? What are you doing? What are you doing? I said, nothing. He's like, no, wh why are you looking at your plate? Why don't you look up? I said, I, I, I really don't want to. No, no, wh what's going on? What is it? And I said, look, I said, don't turn around, but, well, that's all it took. Before I could say anything else, he turned around and looked. And then he turned around and pushed his plate away, and he's like, why did you let me look? I said, Hell, I tried to stop you. He goes, you know what she's doing, right? And I said, 
Yeah, I think me and pretty much everybody in the restaurant knows what she's doing. And he's like, oh, my God, it just ruined my whole breakfast. I said, well, I tried to tell you not to look. And he's like, well, that's like, I don't know. He said, you can't tell me that. You can't start out the sentence, don't look now, but. Because I'm going to look. He said, you need to do it some other way. I was like, well, I didn't know any other way to start the sentence. But anyway, that pretty much ruined both our breakfasts that morning. We paid our bill and left. We didn't say nothing to nobody. And, and fortunately, me and her never made eye contact because I'm not sure if it would have embarrassed her, but the old pumpkin was pretty embarrassed. I mean, holy shit. All right. Well, that's my job site tales for the day. I hope y'all enjoyed that. They really weren't job site tales. They were more like leaving the job site and going to a restaurant tale, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure if I think long and hard, I probably got a, one or two more restaurant stories in here somewhere lingering back there in the old brain matter somewhere. We'll try to dig them out at some point. Uh, I want to move on, and I want to start this off, this little segment. And I don't know how long it will go, and I'm not sure how prepared I am for this, so to speak. And but we're gonna give it a shot, and and try not to let it get too out of control. And I want to apologize on the front end if. If I offend anybody, but you're probably going to be offended because I told y'all at the first of this, we were going to talk about two things that they say you shouldn't talk about with family and friends. That's politics and religion. And, and the first part of this kind of involves both. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Neil McCoy because and I'm not exactly sure of the number, but to the people that follow him on Facebook. He does a Facebook Live every morning and says the Pledge of Allegiance. And, you know, and him, kind of like me, I mean, I'm I'm pro-Arkansas about everything. He's pro-Texas. And and don't hold this against him, but he does he is a Dallas Cowboys fan. Don't freak out. But Hell, that's an Arkansas tire out there because Jerry Jones owns the Dallas Cowboys. So there you go. And Darren McFadden is one of their running backs. So there you go. He's got an Arkansas tire out there. But kudos to Neil for going out there and getting on Facebook every morning and saying the Pledge of Allegiance, which that line, one nation under God, uh, I'm sure that drives some people batshit. Uh and, but I can remember, you know, the old bumpkin can back in the 70s even, you know, that those questions started being raised back then by some atheists about the saying the Pledge of Allegiance in school and it's saying one nation under God. And, you know, that's to me, that's what this nation was built on. Uh, you know, it's gotten to the point that... Almost every religion in this country can be free to practice except for Christianity, and they can't because it offends somebody. Well, 
since day one, I mean, I, I would be willing to bet that 99.9% of what everybody considers the founding fathers, the ones that signed the Declaration of Independence and did our Bill of Rights and the preamble and everything else, were Christians. And that's the reason they were coming over here. So that's what they built this country on. And now, you know, it's like we, ex- you know, they they kind of said we accept any and all religious, you know, come over here and practice. And you people have taken it way too far. It's like, okay, we're here and we're practicing our religion, but everything your country's been built on, we want y'all to stop doing it because it offends us. Well, fuck you. I hope that doesn't offend anybody. But <laughs> y'all know I'm being facetious, right? Because I don't care if it offends anybody, to tell you the truth. But that's kind of the way I see it. That being said, I want to give props to Neil McCoy for having the balls to stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance every day on Facebook. Because I swear to God, it's not just the Hollywood establishment as far as entertainers. It's it's a lot of people, any kind of entertainment industry, that won't stand up for Christianity or conservative, or being conservative, because I can't say the other word. Uh, you know, that being said, too, I got to give props to Ted Nugent. You know, he's conservative to the core, and he lets people know it. He stands up for it. And I don't know if Neil McCoy is or not, but I would say anybody that's getting on Facebook and saying the Pledge of Allegiance every morning probably is a little conservative. I mean, he he may vote liberal. I don't know. I don't know the man personally, and I don't follow him that close. I'm just giving a shout-out for the fact that he says the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. Uh, I love that. And I've said this before. You know, I, I'm not watching NFL this year because I'm protesting the fact that those guys don't stand up for the national anthem. And I, I know they have the right to free speech. You know, and we can argue this all day long, and it's like, you know, get up and tell me how you hate this or you don't like this, and that's fine. But to me, the flag and the national anthem are off limits. That's what that's the symbolism of what gives you the right to have free speech. And to me, that's off limits. That's just bottom line. You know, you're making millions of dollars and you're not oppressed in any way. Stand your ass up for the guys and well, women and guys that have fought and gave their lives for you to have the right of free speech. You know, find you another way to protest other than sitting down for the national anthem and disrespecting the flag. And until then, I'm not watching NFL. And and on top of that, I've never been to an NFL game, and I will never go to one either until that changes. Kind of getting off topic a little bit, but hell, it's all rabbits, it's all meat, so we'll chase rabbits. I don't care. Uh, Really, that, that just irks the living shit out of me, you know? But anyway, back to Neil McCoy. Kudos to him for doing the Pledge of Allegiance. 
You know, whether he's liberal or conservative, that's taking a big stand right there. You know, I'm sure that there are are liberals out there that cringe every time they hear him say one nation under God. But that's the way it is, period. Now, I'm going to say some things, too. I, I, I consider myself a Christian. I believe in God, and I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I, I have some friends that are non-religious. You know, I, I don't know whether other way to say it. Uh, you know, they either completely don't believe in God or they, you know, well, maybe, I'm not real sure, and that's fine. Because they don't pressure me and I don't pressure them. We're cool about it, so to speak. But when I'm talking through the next little bit, that's what I'm, t- I'm talking about me personally, whether I believe in God and Jesus Christ, and I do. What I don't believe is in organized religion. I, I'm, I'm, I, it's not that I've had a lot of bad experiences. It's just... Uh, I've never really seen me personally just something that overwhelms me as far as new religion. Uh, uh, and I, I'm going to give you two cases in point that, that kind of, and they're, they're probably the two that stand out in my mind the most, that, that kind of give me that feeling about organized religion. And one happened when I was in junior high school, but it's it's like, you know, the the apple don't fall far from the tree. So if if the if the child is that way, I would say, you know, I'm not gonna say nine times out of ten, but probably the majority of the time, it's because the parents are that way. But but somebody asked me one time while I was in junior high school if I attended church regular and I'm like, no. And they're like, well, do you have a, a what, how did, I can't remember exactly how they put it, but basically it's like, do you have a church that you do attend? And it's like, yeah, I said, my folks are members at St. Andrews United Methodist church. Well, another person that went to school with me overheard that and literally got mad that I claimed his church as my home church. Oh my God, he was I fucking right about it to the point of just, I mean, I was embarrassed for him. I mean, that, instead of going, man, if your folks are members there, you should come every day, you know, and get involved with the youth group. He went completely the opposite direction you know, and just got completely irate that I would even say my folks were a member of that church because he personally, he'd lived in the area about eight or nine months and they were the type of family that, you know, if the doors were open, they went. And because he hadn't seen me there in the short time he had lived in the area, it pissed him off. I mean, pissed him off. And it's like, you know, it's, would your mom and dad treat people that way who hadn't been coming to church? I mean, again, the whole thing is you're supposed to be a Christian and love thy neighbor and extend your hand out and stuff. And this went, I mean, he was trying to cut my hand off 
The other one happened in adulthood, and it's like, here again, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm anti-rich people, but sometimes people that are snooty can can do things that maybe somebody, maybe I took it wrong, but uh, I had been attending a church here locally in Salem Springs and uh, had been attending probably every Sunday for close to a year and uh, maybe a little longer. And my baby girl had got married and moved. She she was attending with me, and uh, she had moved, and I was just going by myself, and I usually sit in the back, and, you know, was, there was a few people in church, and usually, usually it's the older people, the senior citizens that'll talk to you. But, you know, there was probably six or eight of them that made it a point to come shake my hand and talk to me every day. And uh, there was even one lady that was just determined she was going to find me a girlfriend. But uh, (laughs) that's a whole different story there. But on this particular day, a a lady that was was like pretty well-known and kind of, I don't know, had a high stature in the church. I'm not exactly sure how to say this. Uh, Had came in late and ended up sitting on the back pew where I was on the other end. We were the only two in the pew. And literally they were passing the offering plate. And I would, you know, I'm, I'm not a rich person. So I'd make me out a little check every day for 20 bucks to put in the offering plate. And, uh, because I was, I was struggling at the time to make ends meet. I mean, I was uh, been divorced about a year, and you know everything was pretty tight as far as money was going. And uh, when the offering plate got back to her, she literally looked at me and kind of gave me that 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 brow raise, snooty look, like you ain't got no money anyway, and handed the the offering plate back to the usher who turned around and just walked out of the church. And I'm like, well, you know, if you don't need my money, then I don't need you, I, which is probably the wrong thing to say or think. I didn't say it. It's just how it was. And uh, and on top of it, it, it was Valentine's Day weekend. So I, I really wasn't having a very good weekend anyway. And then that just kind of added to it. So I basically just quit going to church. I quit going back there. I wasn't attending anywhere. And uh, lit, literally, that's the correct word. That was February, uh, December between Christmas and New Year's. And and I honestly, and I'm going to be completely honest, I did not take the high road here, and I should have, and I should have just went and done it, and and been a been good about it. And I regret not doing it. I should have. That being said, the pastor calls me out of the blue, and 
even though we were busy, I shouldn't have used it as an excuse, but he's like, hey. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you know, I thought he was calling because I hadn't been coming to church. Literally, I'd went 10 months without hearing from anybody. 11 months, I guess, actually. Almost 11 months without hearing a word from anybody at that church. Not an email, not a phone call, nothing. But the week between Christmas and New Year's, the pastor called me and they had a three-way switch out and he wanted me to come, wanted to know if I had time to come change that three-way switch out. The Christian in me should have and just been done with it. The asshole in me said, I don't have time. It was like, I, I don't know when I'd be able to get to it. You're just going to have to call on, you know, somebody. Because with me, it would have been furry, basically. Okay, well, I understand. I'll let you go. And he went, oh, oh, oh. You hadn't been to church in a while. Is everything okay? And it's like, the, the second thing that hit me was, it's like, he didn't open with that. Number one, he hadn't he hadn't called me in eleven months, and and then he opens with, "Can you come do something for me?" And then, oh yeah, I noticed that you hadn't been coming to church the last couple of months. It's like, no, I haven't been there since February. Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And I said. Hadn't been coming. Not going to come back either. That's just how it is. Because God help me. And one of these days, I'm sure me and Jesus will have a long talk about it. I'm probably going to get scolded, but I tend to hold a grudge. I'm kind of one of them people that when you screw me over, I'm done with you. You know, I'm I'm not going to come back and beg you or not going to listen to you beg me or anything like that. Screw me over. I'm done with you. You know, it's just how it is. I'm not going to fight you about it. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'm just done with you. And that's kind of the way I was about that church. And it's to me, it's just another lesson of organized religion. And I actually, I'm going to tell you all something else, that I've actually told this to two different pastors. And, and one was that pastor because – during and after my divorce, I canceled, canceled, I can't say the word. He canceled, canceled me. Oh my God, I can't talk. I'm a Yankee. Anyway, I was going to him for counseling. There you go. I said it. Oh, I'm not supposed to slap. Anyway, we had talked about this during that, and I also talked about it with uh, my ex-wife's pastor kind of through his his mother because uh, his mother ended up being my next-door neighbor or had been my next-door neighbor for a long time. Great lady. Anyway, me and her had talked about it too, and and she talked about it with her son about what I'd said. That being said, this is what I said, and and I truly believe this. It's like, from my experience, I'm just talking about my experience. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about everybody else's. And believe me, if there's a church like this out there, then I'd like to know it. But in my experience, 
if I'd been going to a church for a year or two, and, you know, maybe sometimes like between Sunday school classes and service, they'll have like coffee and stuff set up and you can have a little fellowship. So if I was sitting there having fellowship with people in church and said, you know, I got to put a roof on my house. I'm gonna next weekend. I'm gonna scrape all the shingles off and re-roof my house. They'd be like, "Oh man, that's a hard job." You know, we'll be thinking about you. Uh, we'll pray for you. Be careful while you're up on the roof. That's about all you're gonna get. Same scenario, except down at the local bar. If I'd been going like to a local bar for a year or so. You know, number one, when you walk in, it, it, I laugh because truly like the old Cheers deal when Norm would walk in, everybody go Norm. That's kind of the way you're treated at a bar once you started going there on a regular basis. Whether you believe in bars and it's a sin or whatever, I'm just telling you. But if I was down at the local bar bullshitting with six or seven people and said, you know, in the morning, I'm going to start re-roofing the house. I'm going to tear off the shingles and put new shingles down. Well, I guarantee you, at 7, 8 o'clock the next morning, I'd have 15 drunks sitting in the front yard waiting to climb up on the roof to help. I mean, it's it's crazy. And, and I, I said this to several different pastors. It's like if people in churches treated each other the way people in neighborhood bars do, Satan wouldn't have any place to hide. Now, you can think about that for a minute because literally once you start going to a neighborhood bar and you become part of that crowd, those people will do anything in the world for you. They'll bail you out of jail. And Actually, they'll bail you out of jail. They'll find somebody to bail you out of jail couple of them going to be sitting there with you on the park in the jail bench. But, you know, for the most part, I think if you called your pastor and say, hey, I got picked up for DUI, he's probably going to give you a sermon, but they're probably not going to come bail you out. Now, right or wrong, either way, I mean, we can argue that all day long, I'm sure, but that's just how it is. They're probably not going to come bail you out. They're going to leave your ass sitting in jail. Uh, and, and to a, another extent, you may not be welcome back in church again. You know, and I, and I even had a pastor tell me one time, uh, kind of talking about this whole same subject. He said, a homeless person can wander in here, and I'm not knocking, I'm, I'm not knocking them doing this, because they should. But he said a homeless person can wander in here and everybody in this congregation will bend over backwards to feed him or buy him clothes or, or whatever they can do. But if one member of their own congregation is struggling, instead of helping that person, they usually talk about him behind their back. And it's like, how is that being a Christian? I, I just, I have a hard time dealing with that. And, you know, you, I think sometimes people need to realize that when, when you decide to be a Christian, you can't pick and choose who you're going to help and who you're going to talk about. 
And I'm not saying I'm good at it. Hell, I'm a sinner just like everybody else. Uh, again, I will say again, I, I believe in God and I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins on the cross. But that's my personal belief. I don't push it on anybody or anything else. And it's kind of on the same subject and about Christianity. And it just really irks me to no end is seeing celebrities and stuff. I don't want to say brag, but I mean, it's hard to hold them. I guess I'm holding them to a double standard. For one thing, it pisses me off when they ask poor people to give money for something. And I don't think they're giving money themselves. But on the other hand, I don't want to hear about how much money they gave. And, and I, I don't want to start getting into trying to quote Bible scripture because there's a lot of people out there that can quote it a lot better than me. I mean, I'm, I am no expert, not even close, never have been, never will be. I haven't even read that much of the Bible. I mean, I've tried, but does it not say in Matthew that the right hand's not supposed to know what the left hand's doing, which basically says when when you give of your time or money, you shouldn't boast about it. You shouldn't tell people about it. You should just be doing it because it's in your heart and it's the right thing to do. You know, that's that's just the way I look at things. And the way I do things, you know, I, if I give money to something or somebody, I'm not going to go boasting about it and I'm not going to tell nobody about it. Now, I did talk about putting money in the offering plate earlier, but that was to drive a point home about a story. Uh, so don't hold that against me too bad. Anyway, I'm, I'm sure... Oh, my God, I'm sure we're going to get some emails about this show. I'm sure there's a lot of point of views out there, and I'm sure that nobody's 100% right or 100% wrong. That being said, I do want to thank y'all for following us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. Uh, it's at Bumpkin Bob Show. You can find both of us at Bumpkin Bob Show on Facebook or Twitter. If you go over there to Facebook and like that page, make sure you join the Bumpkin Army group. And that's where you need to write your job site tales or any little messages you have for me. If you if you got butt hurt about something I said and you want to retaliate against it, that's fine. Uh, keep it civil. You know, we don't want our administrator or Facebook blocking anybody. So try to don't be calling each other ugly names or threatening to kill anybody or whip anybody's ass because I said something about religion. You know, let's keep it civil and and be human beings about it. But I do want to hear from you. Uh, we're trying to check all that daily and get messages out to you. Also, it's going to drive my son crazy. You know, if you got something you want me to announce, throw it out there on the Bumpkin Army Facebook page or group and let us know about it. Uh, we do want to hear from y'all. We're so thankful for the likes we've been getting. Uh, make sure you tell your friends to go over there and 
subscribe to the Bumpkin Bob Show. You know, you're going to get some helpful information, a cons- I think, a conservative view from the working man. Uh, again, I, I want to say this at every show, the working poor, we got to stick together, people. We got to stick together and make sure these conservatives that we're sending to Washington and down to Little Rock, those guys are not doing what they're supposed to do either. We got to make sure that they understand when we send them down there, they work for us. And if they're not going to do what we want, then we're going to vote them out. And that's just bottom line. I mean, uh, again, it's, I, I want to say this, and I want people to understand when it comes to special interest groups. I understand you want your rights. I do. And I understand you want something, but I don't want to pay for it. If you want it, pay for it yourself. If you understand that, then we'll be all right. And and I'm, I'm going to touch on something else. I love just touching on stuff that's probably going to piss somebody off. I saw a meme yesterday or today on Facebook where all it said was, if a statue causes you that much frustration that you want it removed, I would hate to see how you handle real problems. Because, my God, that's not really a problem. That statue ain't hurting you. You know, and if, if you got a problem with it, just don't go around it. You know, it's like, so I, I really, I agree completely with that. You know, if, if you think that that statue being up is a problem and you can't handle it, I'd hate to see how you handle real problems like paying the rent every month or making sure you got groceries on the table for your babies, you know, because I'm, I'm pretty sure if that's causing you that much frustration, real problems probably send you over the fucking edge, you know, and it's, and I, uh, we also need to say, and I haven't said this, because we did a few shows ago because Harvey had hit Texas. We talked about Texas. Well, Irma's hit Florida, and we need to make sure we're we're keeping those people in our prayers and thoughts uh, again. And I'm gonna I'm gonna harp on this, and I'm gonna harp on this. When the water goes down, they still need your prayers and thoughts. So don't stop praying and thinking. And also, people in Florida, I already said this to the people in Texas, and I'm going to give you the same warning. When the water recedes, your second flood will be the unscrupulous contractors coming in trying to take advantage of you people. Uh, And on the show that I said this on, my my oldest son and our producer said that's the best line he'd heard because he said, I agree with you. There is a special place in hell for you people that go take advantage of these people. And again, a harp on our, on our state government people. I'm probably going to start harping on them a lot harder, but you people in Florida that are in state government, your law enforcement officers, be on the lookout for these people, these con artists and unscrupulous contractors that's going to come down there and try to take advantage of people. 
I, I swear to God, in the next few months, we're going to start hearing horror stories out of Texas and, and out of Florida about people getting duped by these people, people going down there and taking people's insurance checks or whatever, and then not doing the work and never coming back. So uh, please God to the law enforcement and the people in state governments, be on the lookout for these people and nip that shit in the bud. You know, let's see if we can't go after these people a little bit. And so that some of these people don't end up getting a double whammy. You know, they get hit by the hurricane and then they get hit by an unscrupulous contractor. Uh, Maybe we should have some people like this old house and, Mike Holmes and some of the other renovation people go down there and help out and just strictly be down there looking for, you know, shoddy work and people trying to take advantage, which is where your city and county inspectors come in, you know, to to them, you know, kudos, make sure, uh, because those guys know there are local contractors, residential and commercial, that are working in their town all the time anyway. So when you've got somebody that's came in and, you know, especially if they're trying to do a seven, $800,000 million job out of the back of a pickup truck, you need to look at them with a little bit of, what is it, take what they're saying with a grain of salt and, and look pretty close at them and make sure they're not trying to take advantage of somebody. And and believe me, people, and this is, this is to the residents of Texas and Florida. When you're dealing with a contractor, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You know, you know if you had a $300,000 home and they're coming in there saying they can rebuild it for $60,000, something ain't right. So, you know... Make sure you call your city officials, call the Better Business Bureau, alert law enforcement, whatever, especially watch your elderly neighbors and make sure that, like, these guys aren't coming in there trying to con them into signing up for a roof job that they're really not planning on doing. And, you know, watch your elderly neighbors. Make sure they're not getting taken advantage of. Uh we, for the next month anyway, I'm going to harp on that pretty hard and probably say something about it on every show because I worry about that. It And that's where a lot of us contractors and subcontractors start getting bad names is from these guys that run into these places after they've had a natural disaster strictly trying to get rich. I mean, they're running in there thinking they can make you know, $100,000 or a million dollars or whatever, and then leave and go back to wherever they came from. And it's like, so let's make sure that doesn't happen. You know, I, I hope people have learned from Katrina that they need to be on the lookout for these people. Now, it's uh, raining here a little bit in Siloam today. Uh, air's a little thick with hum- humidity, and my, my voice is about to go, so we're probably fixing to sign out. Again, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We want to hear from y'all. I, I honestly do. I 
Nothing would do me better than be able to sit down every day and for an hour or so just read emails. So make sure you hit us up on those. We want to hear from you. Uh, tell your friends and your family. Uh, make sure you invite them to like our Facebook page. Invite them to follow us on Twitter. And uh, make sure you go over and join the Bumpkin Army. And until next week, this is Bumpkin Bob. I'm out.